When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Langren Holland's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, and joining me, as always, is Josh Dooley. Josh, uh, it's getting a little bit of an exciting time here. We know it's you know we're getting towards the, the the beginning of summer here, and we still got a ways to go before football comes around. But we are starting to um, get a little taste of football season in regards to learning a little bit more about Ohio State's schedule uh, and learning some of their their kickoff times. We already know the teams on the schedule, of course, but learning some of the kickoff times, starting to get excited about some of the big matchups on Ohio. State schedule, so it's uh, it's kind of you know we're getting getting we're not exactly close to football season, but we're we're getting a little little taste here and there. Yeah, I don't think it really hit me until today, and I know we'll get to the Notre Dame game and things like that. But being able to put a time or a projected time with a certain game kind of got the wheels in motion. The spring game was a nice little, I guess, teaser, but not a whole lot since then. And so this just kind of whetted the appetite once again gets me back into that football mode where we can start looking at schedules and players and this, that, and the other. So definitely uh, raring to go. Yeah, for sure. And, and without, you know, a ton else of, of news going on in the Ohio State world, there's a little, little things here and there, but nothing major. We figured this would be a good, as good a week as any to do a sort of way too early schedule preview for Ohio State heading into the 2022 season. Obviously a lot of promise around this Ohio State football team as there usually is, but we can kind of take a little bit here and there. We're not going to go super in-depth on a lot of these teams because as, you know, as the season comes around, we will have, you know, game-by-game previews of all of these teams. And of course, as the season gets closer, we will have more in-depth breakdowns of a lot of the, the Big Ten teams on the schedule as well as you know the non-con but you know just just looking here at a, a brief overview of the schedule at large um, the uh, the big game on the non-con, of course, is the Notre Dame game in the season opener. Ohio State does get to play, you know, its first five games of the season at home. Uh, they have a mid-season bye week, which we like in week seven, and then of course they end the year uh, with Michigan at home, as as you know they haven't since 2018. So shockingly enough, it's the first time Michigan will return to Columbus since the 2018 season with all that happened with the COVID season and whatnot. But you know, on paper, it's, it's a schedule that breaks out pretty well for Ohio State. You do have that that early test against the Fighting Irish, but you know, then you have a little bit of a lull. You get Wisconsin at home, and then you have you know Iowa at home in a rematch for the the first time those teams have played since that 2017 season. So a lot to be excited about on the Ohio State schedule. I think it, it breaks out well for them. I think there's some good breaks here and there, um, and, and so you know it's a lot lot to look forward to. And I think that we'll have some fun going through this year as we we look forward. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I think that it it did land very well for them. The home games that they get, uh, the Penn State game presumably at noon that's kind of been floated out so the whiteout is going to be played in broad daylight um so i think the way that it it kind of landed for them sets up well but i you know as i looked through it i thought to myself i i'm more impressed with the teams on the schedule than i thought i would be um and i know they're projected to have a pretty tough schedule by comparison but then i sort of you know was looking at the rosters for these teams that it seems like they haven't played in so long. I I don't know why it seems like they haven't played Wisconsin and Iowa in years and years and years, but, um, you know, despite the losses, I like both of those teams. We know that that team up North is probably going to be competitive and they get a, an early test with that Notre Dame team, which um, I I don't want to play spoiler, but I do think they're going to be tough this year. I just don't know if they're going to be tough week one. But we'll get into that. I, I'm very excited and I'm very interested to hear your feedback, too, on kind of what you see in these games moving forward as we sort of hit on the big ones, I'd say. I think we can probably, I don't know, put a check mark next to Arkansas State. I'm not too worried about that one, but there are some interesting games for sure. 
Yeah, there's a lot a lot of teams on the schedule that we can, you know, kind of look over a little bit, at least at this juncture in the, in the offseason. But, you know, we'll talk about them more later on. But, yeah, I think a good place to start is the season opener against Notre Dame, which we have just learned will be a 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. It will also be the college game day game. Uh, I'm sure the recruiting visitor list will be insane for that game. Uh, and just a really exciting atmosphere for a game of that magnitude, a real test for Ohio State. We get to see, you know, the first real look at the Jim Knowles defense against a good Notre Dame team. Uh, going to be a lot different of a Notre Dame team than last year, but nonetheless, you know, this is the first time that Ohio State and Notre Dame have met since 2015 when Ohio State won 44 to 28 in the Fiesta Bowl. Ohio State has won four straight against Notre Dame, uh, four and two overall against the Irish. And of course, you know, one of the big storylines going into this game is that former Buckeye linebacker Marcus Freeman is the first year head coach at Notre Dame. So a lot of, you know, intrigue there, both for Ohio State themselves and what the team is going to look like, as well as a tough opponent right out of the gates and a good way to kind of gauge what this team going to look like moving forward what's your concern level on the Notre Dame game you know well I know we want to get into the rosters maybe in some of the the bigger players and this that, and the other but just all things considered with the new head coach coming in and the success that Notre Dame has had in recent seasons one to ten where are you at on this one yeah, I think a lot of my concerns are more based on what, you know, Ohio State itself will look like rather than the opponent. I think that if, you know, if Ohio State plays up to the level that we know they can and that, you know, on paper the, the players they have can do, I think they'll be more than fine because I do think that, you know, Notre Dame, especially, you know, before we get, you know, too into the nitty gritty here, they are going to be breaking in a new quarterback who will be making, you know, his first career start at night in the shoe. Not exactly what you want from, a, you know, a first time starter. So they, they have some stuff going on. They, they also lost Kyron Williams uh, and their top wide receiver. Kevin Austin to the NFL. So they have a lot to replace on their roster. And I think that, you know, Ohio State obviously lost Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba, but they do have a, a ton of wide receiver talent coming. I mean, not they didn't lose Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm sorry, they lost Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. They do have JSN coming back as well as CJ Stroud, the entire running back room. So uh, a lot of a lot of offensive firepower coming back from Ohio State. I am more, you know, concerned just about what the Ohio State defense will look like. As you know, we saw last year, they weren't very good. They now brought in Jim Knowles as well as, you know, Perry Aliano and Tim Walton to try to fix a lot of those issues. So uh, I am interested to see how that all comes together. We we know like what the faces will probably be out there on the field and, and who will be at what positions, but just to see kind of how that all meshes against a, a real power five, well, not power five, but a real, you know, independent opponent, uh, a team that, you know, is, is in the playoff conversation year after year at the very minimum. It's, it's a good test for, for that kind of thing. And I think, you know, we'll know probably after at least, you know, the first half, first three quarters, what kind of, you know, changes, what kind of palpable changes that new defensive coaching staff has made. Yeah, see, I think that my concern level or, or my concern lies in really just first game jitters. Uh, I look at the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, and I, I think that Notre Dame's strength last year was their defense. I think that they are still going to be pretty good, but they lost Kyle Hamilton. They lost some other guys, and even with Kyle Hamilton and whoever else you want on the roster, I don't see a lot of teams being able to slow down Ohio State's offense, including Notre Dame. And the thing with Ohio State's offense is they're, for the most part, very familiar with each other. Uh, C.J. Stroud coming back, J.S.N., Travion Henderson, a lot of the guys on the offensive line are, are experienced, whether at the current position, they're uh, whether at the position they're playing or not. Um, so I, I think that it's going to be strength on strength and I like Ohio state's strength more, um, you know, speaking of the offense. And then when I look at the other sides of the ball, I think the quarterback situation for Notre Dame is going to be a big deal. And I think that whether it's Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine, I see that as a downgrade from Jack Cohn which is kind of crazy to say when you think of Jack Cohn's time at Wisconsin, he, he was decent last year. Um, but the first time starter, whoever it's going to be, I think that that will be a downgrade. I liked Kyron Williams a lot. I thought he was a, uh, just a really shifty, versatile running back. They're going to have to replace him. And so if there's a big game for Ohio state to break in its defense, I kind of like this one because if it's strength on strength, it's weakness on weakness. And with Jim Knowles coming in and some of the new talent that has kind of stepped forward and stepped up, I like where they're at. And I think they're going to be in an even better place come the Notre Dame opener. And so I think this is an opportunity for 
a a work in progress to kind of see where they're at. But, you know, they're not going against an Alabama or a Georgia or something like that or a team like that. I just don't have a lot of confidence in Notre Dame's offense off the rip. Whereas I, I think the Jim Knowles can get his guys up and ready for this one game with a couple games to follow where they can maybe tinker and adjust some things, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we know that Marcus Freeman is a defensive guy. Uh, they did bring in Northwestern safety transfer Brandon Joseph to replace Kyle Hamilton. And we've seen him before. We know he's pretty good. But, yeah, we, we expect the Notre Dame defense to be solid. We know what we're expecting from Ohio State's offense. But I do agree that the battle is really going to be one on the other side of the ball. Like you said, it's going to be either Buckner or Pine for Notre Dame. Either way, it'll be them making their first start in the shoe at night. Uh, we know that Jim Knowles has a, a you know, kind of a, a repertoire of, you know, bringing some of that chaos on defense and for a first time starting quarterback on the road in a potentially hostile environment or I think that's you know a good way for Ohio State to break in their defense if all is going according to plan um uh, interesting enough you know Pickerington Ohio native Lorenzo Styles is potentially going to be you know Notre Dame's top wide receiver so I guess that's another not yeah good player player that Ohio State recruited another guy that you know another potential storyline going into this as the, the hometown kid coming back home they also will still have tight end Michael Mayer who is you know potentially the number one tight end prospect in the 2023 NFL draft and we've known how Ohio State has struggled in the past guarding some of those better pass catching tight ends uh, especially with some of the linebacker play they've seen recently which we do hope will improve under Jim Knowles but we have yet to see it so a lot of interesting storylines there I think that, you know, it should be a good game. I think, you know, at last glance, I think Ohio State was a, a two-touchdown favorite or so in the game. So while it is, a, it is a good test at the start of the year, it's not like you said. It's not like Alabama or, or you know, Georgia is coming to town. It should be a game that if all goes well, Ohio State does win. But it is, I think, a good test on both sides of the ball to see what this 2022 Ohio State team is made of. Yeah, Notre Dame's difference, or defense, I'm sorry, is the key for me. If they want to keep it close and have a chance to win, they've got Foskey, who plays the Viper position for them. He had 11 sacks last year and six forced fumbles. Um, Just a super versatile, I I would call him an edge rusher, but he does a lot more than that. They've got J.D. Bertrand uh, returning as a middle linebacker. He had over 100 tackles. You mentioned Brandon Joseph. I don't know if he's a apples for apples replacement for Kyle Hamilton, but he's a hell of a player. When he entered the transfer portal, he was like the guy that I wanted Ohio State to go after. I don't even know if they, you know, had a conversation or anything with him. But the secondary is not overly impressive, in my opinion. They've got Cam Hart back there, who's a good corner, but I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's offense, specifically in, in the passing game, they're going to be able to move the ball and throw on Notre Dame, in my opinion. So I think that's the difference. And it is a very good test, but it's not the scariest opener that I can think of that Ohio State has had in the last you know, 10, 15 years. I'm not sure. Yeah, and Ohio State has done a good job of bringing in kind of these, you know, upper tier teams in the early, you know, non-conference schedule as, as a fun test, as a fun environment to play. We saw, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the home and home of Oklahoma. We saw Oregon come in last year, you know, so they, they brought in these big marquee teams to play in the non-conference. And I do like seeing that, you know, you could just schedule pushovers, but I don't really know what that, that gets you early in the year. I think it's better to, you know, especially with a game like this, if Ohio State were to lose to Notre Dame, it wouldn't derail their season. They'd still, you know, could win out in the Big Ten and very well make the college football playoffs. So I do like scheduling these you know early non-conference marquee matchups especially with a team like Notre Dame that has a lot of that history with a guy like you know of course Marcus Freeman now in charge I think it should be a fun game and I think that you know the recruiting you know notwithstanding I think it'll be off the charts I think that's going to be you know with game day being there and and the nighttime environment I I think it's going to be a huge game recruiting wise for Ohio State so obviously one you would uh you'd want to win there but like I said you know Ohio State does get the luxury of playing its first five games of the season at home and uh and after that Notre Dame game it gets significantly easier at least for the next two um I don't think we have a ton to discuss for their next opponent Arkansas State uh, a team that went two and ten last season one and seven in the Sun Belt this is the first ever meeting between those two teams and then after them they play uh in in state toledo uh the rockets could contend for a mac title i don't know how much they'll they'll challenge ohio state uh ohio state has won the previous three matchups by a combined 114 to 22 so it hasn't exactly been competitive but uh you will see the return of uh transfer linebacker dallas gant to columbus so i guess that's a cool little storyline in an otherwise uh not a super exciting game josh do you have anything on uh either of those two rousing opponents as we kind of move through the schedule here I wish I did, but I don't. You know, you said Arkansas State was 2-10 and 10 last year. Toledo could be scrappy, but the last three meetings have been blowouts, each of them, like you mentioned. So 
you know, no, I, I think that it's, it's good to bring in, bring in an in-state opponent. I think that's good for Ohio football at large, but I just don't see Toledo providing much of a threat. So it's kind of this, this big buildup. And I, and I don't, I don't want to say a couple weeks to relax because that's not fair. And, and really you would never want to see an Ohio state team do that early in the season, but it's a bit of a breather before their next big game versus Wisconsin, which I know you want to get to next. Yeah, for sure. And, and if nothing else, you know, while they're not, you know, maybe it isn't a pushover game, but it is, it does give you an opportunity if there are, you know, glaring issues that you saw in the Notre Dame game, it does give you two games to kind of, you know, tune up before, like you said, their next big game on the schedule, which is Wisconsin also uh, has been announced on ABC. So another potential night game, uh, not, not official on the time on that one just yet, but Wisconsin is returning to Columbus for the first time since 2019. The Buckeyes have not lost at home to the Badgers since 2004. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, it's a good spot for this game right after those two games um, with Arkansas State and Toledo and you know right before a team like Rutgers where you know that no, no disrespect to Greg Schiano but not not exactly the, the highest caliber opponent I think this is a good spot to to play a team like Wisconsin your first Big Ten game of the year um, and another interesting matchup you know we know what Wisconsin generally is um, I, I think this year for Wisconsin is really going to come down to how much can Graham Mertz put it all together uh, we know he was the highest rated quarterback commit in Wisconsin history but he's been sort of up and down in his career he only threw for 10 touchdowns in 13 games last season which is not exactly what you want to see from your quarterback you know if you compare him to obviously much different offenses but a guy like CJ Stroud who threw 44 touchdowns in 12 games uh, with only six picks compared to Graham Mertz's 11 uh, clearly very different uh, uh, levels of quarterback play between the two schools. So I think, you know, Wisconsin will probably go as far as Mertz can bring them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously going to come in with a good running game, Braylon Allen leading the way there. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be your typical Wisconsin team. They'll probably be solid on defense. They'll have a solid run game, but I do think that the X factor for them is Mertz. And I think the ship has sailed on Mertz. I'm not saying that he can't be a game manager or win games. You know, they won nine games last year, but I, it's been too long since he, he uh, you know, got into college and has gotten the, the playing time and the experience. I just don't see him putting it all together. Maybe he's better this year. It's 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 difficult to be, you know, have worse stats than he did last year. Ten touchdowns to 11 picks is, like you said, not what you want to see. But it's Wisconsin, right? And they are sort of the same team year after year. But that means that they are competitive. They're well coached. Uh, you know, they're going to hit you in the mouth on both sides of the ball and they're going to try and play their game. And the thing that scares me about their game is until we see an improved Ohio State defense and see a stout performance from them, Braylon Allen scares the absolute hell out of me. Uh, 6'2, 230, fast as all get out. One of the best running backs in the country coming back. He was outstanding as a freshman. So if he has one of those 200, 250 yard games, who knows, but the rest of the offense is still very much the same. You don't have a lot of explosive pass catching options. They even lost a a big tight end, Jake Ferguson from last year. And they normally have another guy lined up or another guy that you've heard of. Not really the case this year. They're, they're second and third most productive tight ends last year, I think combined for like six catches. So that's normally something that Wisconsin leans on and maybe whoever takes over for for Ferguson will be great. But I think Ohio State has to dial in and focus on the run game. And I think if they can do that, again, they can probably outscore the other team, whether the defense is playing at at the, the best level that they can or not. Wisconsin's defense was crazy good last year, right? They were very scary. They finished first in the Big Ten in a bunch of different categories, but the strengths of that 2021 unit were linebacker and secondary, and they're going to lose or they have lost six combined starters from those two groups. So they always reload well, but I don't think that I expect them to be a top five or top ten defense nationally with all the losses. So uh, I feel like you're getting like a B, B plus Wisconsin. And I just feel like Ohio State's better than that. They can beat a B, B plus Wisconsin team unless they play a a CD game. You know what I mean? So if this was last year's Wisconsin defense, my concern level would be much, much higher. I still think it's going to be a competitive game up to a point. 
but the firepower is just too much, in my opinion, on Ohio State's side. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, they did lose a lot on that defensive side of the ball. Their top two linebackers, Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, both left for the NFL on the offensive side. You know, Jake Ferguson, their tight end, was their receptions leader. Uh, super senior wide receiver Danny Davis was their leading receiver. He exhausted eligibility. So now you have, you know, a quarterback who completed under 60% of his passes last year, losing a lot of his top offensive threats, as well as maybe some of your top end talent on the defensive side. So, like you said, it's kind of, we don't really know. I, you know, it's still May as we record this. So maybe things, you know, get put together as, as we get closer and closer to the season for Wisconsin. But it doesn't seem like the the highest level of Wisconsin that Ohio State has seen in recent memory. They did bring in um, a new offensive coordinator in Bobby Ingram. But by all sounds of it, he is going to continue the you know traditional Wisconsin offense, which is that ground and pound, like you said, not a ton of explosive offense, which I think is, you know, overall Wisconsin's biggest downfall playing a team like Ohio State. We've seen them match up in the Big Ten Championship numerous times now. We've seen them play in the regular season in recent memory. And it just seems like, you know, it, you know as good as a, as a defense as you have, if you're playing an explosive offense like Ohio State, they're going to get their points. And if you just don't have any sort of offense, you know, at least consistent offense, you know, Braylon Allen's probably going to get his yards, but he's not going to put up 35 points on his own. So if you're lacking any, you know, significant, yeah, yeah, we do hope significant, you know, lacking any sort of significant passing offense, explosive plays, it's going to be hard to keep up with Ohio State offensively. And I think that's just kind of the problem Wisconsin has run into just as a, as a philosophy, as a team. I don't know how they, how they fix that unless they just have, you know, maybe they do put together like a crazy defensive game. But I just think with the way that, you know, we've seen this Ohio State offense with all they have returning and with the lack of what's returning for Wisconsin, I think that's going to be tough to do so early in the year. So I, you know, I, I, you know, I think it's a, obviously an opponent you have to respect, an opponent that has won the Big Ten West, you know, a numerous amount of times in the last couple of years. But like, you know, like we kind of just outlined, it's not exactly on paper, at least at this point, you know, in the offseason, it's not the most threatening Wisconsin team we've seen. And that's the biggest and best ace in the hole for Ohio State. And it has been under Ryan Day. It's just the offense. There are not a lot of teams in the Big Ten who can keep up. Uh, scoring points at the end of the day. And so Ohio State, we saw, we saw their defensive struggles last year, and it almost didn't matter. They still almost got into that CFP anyway. So I think we're going to see a lot of that this year, even with you know one or two or three potentially improved offenses. There is just no other team in this league, in this conference, at the same level as Ohio State. There are teams that can put up points, but it's just, you know, Ryan Day and his guys, they're playing an entirely different ball game with the skill players and the quarterback that they have. And like you said, that is, in my opinion, it sounds like yours too. It's Wisconsin's biggest downfall. It might be Michigan State's, Iowa, Penn State, whomever. I, I don't know that there's an offense that can keep up. And unless that defense is going to limit Ohio State to, I don't know, 28 points, Ohio State is always going to be in it with a chance to win, presumably at the end or, you know, well before the end of the game with that loaded offense. Yeah, and you know, it's for that reason that we and you have both said over the course of this offseason that all Ohio State has to do is put together, you know, a top 60 or a top 50 defense, and then they're right there in terms of national title contention, especially playing in a conference like the Big Ten that has all these teams that are more run-heavy, not a ton of explosive passing offenses. It just makes, you know, you don't have to have a super elite defense. As long as you get a few stops here and there, and your offense is putting up points, then it's all going to come together for you. And when you have the kind of skill talent Ohio State has at wide receiver, at quarterback, at running back, even some of the better defenses in the Big Ten are going to struggle to hold them to under, you know, 35, 40 points. So I think that's kind of the general scheme of this season as a whole is whether or not Ohio State's defense can put together enough stops to kind of, you know, make their offense's life a bit easier. But I, I think, you know, from what we've, you know, from what we've seen in the schedule so far, there's nothing that is super, is super concerning at this point in time. And we'd like, as we said, we do have to see what the, the Jim Knowles Ohio State defense does look like. But moving forward here to the next couple games on the schedule, I don't have pretty much anything to say about Rutgers. Uh, you know, it's Rutgers is still going to be Rutgers for a little bit there, even though Greg Shannon does seem to have them moving in a good direction. I don't think they're quite yet at a level where they're going to test Ohio State in any significant way. Uh, Michigan State, I don't have a ton on either. You know, we kind of saw how that game went last year, and that was with a really good Michigan State team. 
I think it will be interesting to see how Mel Tucker builds off of last year. Things, you know, they, they got blown out in Columbus. Uh, the Buckeyes have done a good job in East Lansing as of late. They did lose, you know, their top two threats on offense in Kenneth Walker III and Jalen Naylor, the leaders at their respective positions. I think, you know, Peyton Thorne is, is fine at quarterback, but he's nothing particularly scary. Um, they did bring in some transfers on defense, but we saw, you know, how, how brutal that unit was last year. So I don't have, you know, a ton on Michigan State, Josh. I know you have a little bit on them as well, but I don't think that this is, you know, I'm not going into this Michigan State game fully, you know, scared of what could potentially happen, especially because you're coming off, you know, you're coming off the Rutgers game, you're heading into a bye week. So it's not like this game was going to catch them off guard in any significant way. I think that Michigan State is going to be fine, but they, in my opinion, are not a team that can close the 56 to 7 gap from last year. You know, they lost Kenneth Walker who was an all-world running back. They did bring in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin, but you know, to date, he has not been great in his college career, and he was a big-time get, a big-time recruit, um, and, and couldn't really do a whole lot at Wisconsin. I'm with you. I sort of like the Peyton Thorne to Jalen, uh, I'm sorry, not Jalen Berger, to Jaden Reed connection. I think Jaden Reed is a good number. He was a good number two last year. I think he'll step in and he'll rise to the occasion for Michigan State this year and be their number one wide receiver. But at the end of the day, I don't see the offense getting better minus Kenneth Walker the third. And then you go to the other side of the ball. This defense was really bad last year. And I think that they will be better in certain areas. But the secondary is by and large the same secondary that Ohio State torched last year. And I don't think bringing in the running backs that they did in the transfer portal will be enough to slow down the Ohio State defense, even though they brought in some good ones. Uh, they got the kid from UNLV. I don't have his name in front of me right now, like 120 tackles last year. Uh, another SEC linebacker, I want to say Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, a former Florida edge rusher or linebacker. I, I wish I'd written these guys' names down, but I know they all came in at that linebacker, edge rusher sort of position. Mel Tucker far exceeded expectations, and I think that he'll coach his guys up to be, I don't know, probably an eight, nine win team. I haven't looked at their schedule, but I, I keep going back to last year's game of 56-7 to seven thrashing of the Spartans. I just don't see any way they close that gap. 49 points. If they keep it within two or three touchdowns of Ohio State, I would be surprised. Again, just because of the disparity in firepower and the ability of Ohio State to put up points. Yeah, and, and I think Mel Tucker has done a, a good job of adding talent through the transfer portal. I don't know how sustainable it is to you know continue building almost your entire roster out of transfer portal guys. I think at some point you do need to build a bit of cohesion, especially on that defensive side that, that struggled so mightily. But, you know, I guess only time will tell with how that all pans out. But you know, moving forward here in Ohio State schedule, the next game on the list coming off of bye week is an interesting one to me. Uh, they will play Iowa at home. Uh, Iowa also has a bye week beforehand in this game. It's the first time Ohio State has played against Iowa since that 2017 beatdown in Kinnick. Uh, Iowa's going to bring their you know, traditional physical tight end heavy offense. Could potentially be difficult for Ohio State, a bit of a different look. Um, you know, I, I think Iowa's very similar to Wisconsin. They're just usually, you know, usually a little bit worse offensively, but better defensively. Um, but I, you know, I think at this point in the season, we'll probably have a good idea of what Ohio State's defense is all about. So I think my thoughts on this game will kind of be based on what we've seen from Ohio State to this point. Um, but, but Josh, what do you think about this Iowa game? I don't know if there'll be any sort of revenge factor there for Ohio State. I don't think really anybody from that 2017 team is still on the roster. But is, do you think any of that will, will play a part in this Iowa game? I'm sure the fans will remember it, and that'll be interesting for the atmosphere-wise. But I don't know if the, the team has any you know, bad blood towards Iowa. I think that Ryan Day might kind of use that, but you're right. The the years have passed, and this is a different. These are two different rosters at this point. And the the good thing with with Iowa, though, from an Ohio State perspective, is they are not a team that you can underestimate. Whether they are, you know, scraping 500 or making a run like they did last year, as much as I sort of crap on Kirk Ferentz and his team and his coaching staff. I absolutely respect what they do, but similar to Wisconsin, like you mentioned, the offense is always going to be an Achilles heel for them. And I, I think that this offense is likely to be pretty bad in, in all honesty 
Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla are back at quarterback. Neither one of them is a top end starter in the Big Ten. And, you know, in all honesty, most conferences, they lost Tyler Goodson, who was uh, a really productive running back for them. And the only pass catcher who really strikes any fear in you is Sam Laporta, their tight end. He will be back. He'll probably do some things. We saw um, certain tight ends expose Ohio State's defense last year. TBD on how it looks this year. But they're going to try and run the ball. They're going to try and control the game. And they're going to try and get lucky with some passes down the field when they see an opportunity. But, you know, their collection of quarterbacks is, I would say, and again, this is kind of crazy when you look at the entire conference. Their two quarterbacks, I would say, are like in the bottom half of the conference. They were just not productive last year and, you know, hit on just under 60% of their passes, the two of them combined. So I don't see a big leap forward from that side of the ball. But I, I do think that the Hawkeyes defense is still going to be nasty. They returned three starters and a fourth rotational guy up front. At linebacker, Jack Campbell and Seth Benson are back. They're both tackling machines. Riley Moss and Jamari Harris combined for eight interceptions last year. They're both back in the secondary. And the safeties weren't or aren't as great, but they got former OSU target Xavier Nwangpa, who I think could be a real difference maker for them. So who knows? If they have one of those crazy turnover games like they had early in the year last season, then who knows? I think that the uh, Iowa defense could keep them in this game up to a point, but I'm going to continue to sound like a broken record. I don't think you slow down Ohio State's offense. I don't think Iowa slows down Ohio State's defense, even with the guys that they have coming back. And, and even if they do, what can Iowa do on the offensive side of the ball? So it's similar to the Michigan States and Wisconsin's of the world. Uh, I think that there is one strength for a lot of these teams, whereas Ohio State could potentially be strong on both sides of the ball with a step up from the defense. And so I see another Ohio State win here. Maybe not an easy one, but I, I just they outscore Iowa 10 times out of 10, in my opinion. Yeah, Iowa just has this thing about them that, that makes you play ugly. It is better that this is at Ohio Stadium and not in Kinnick. But, yeah, I agree with a lot of that. You know, the, with the Iowa defense last year was good. I, I think they got a little bit overrated with a lot of the turnover luck that they had, but I do think they were an overall a solid group, and they are bringing in some good prospects, like you mentioned, Nwankpa and a couple other guys. Um, but the offense, I just don't really see how this team is going to score. I, I, you know, Spencer Petras at one point last season, I'm pretty sure, was at or near the bottom of, in terms of all FBS quarterbacks and like efficiency ratings or something like that. He's not particularly good. Alex Padilla, not much better. You know, Joey Labus is a, a potential dark horse candidate that position, but their their quarterback room is not exactly dynamic or, or, or scary in any way. Uh, running back Tyler Goodson is gone, and and with him goes 1,400 yards of total offense and 13 touchdowns. So. You know, they, they weren't particularly good with him. I don't think they're going to be particularly better without him, and I, they don't have much in terms of, you know, elite wide receiver talent. They've got some good guys out there, but no, nobody that's really going to, you know, no no JSN-type guys out there on the field. Not that Ohio State's going to see many of them. can I you a curveball? Yeah, go ahead. And, and I hate to put you on the spot, but we've, we've talked a lot about quarterback play. And, you know, off the top of your head, how many other uh, Big Ten teams do you think – would start or love to have Kyle McCord, Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown. Like if there are 13 other teams in the conference, how many other teams do you think that those two guys might start for? Uh, I would say almost every single one, except for maybe, maybe Michigan, because, you know, they like Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy is a former five star. So I think they're, they're fine at quarterback. Um, and I think, you know, Penn State, uh, Sean Clifford's coming back. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. So, you know, he's he is what he is, but they also have Drew Aller coming in, who is a really good prospect. So I think, uh, you know, pretty much everyone other than those two teams, though, it's, it's almost 100% certainty that one of those guys would be starting for them. You know, the entire Big Ten West is uh, basically a crapshoot of, of, of quarterbacks. We talked about, you know, Graham Mertz and what he has been. Maybe he hits that next level. Maybe he doesn't. And then you look at the rest of the East, you know, outside of, of Ohio State and Michigan, you know, Peyton Thorne's okay, but I don't think he's better than either of those two guys. Uh, you know, I, I, it's not exactly a good passing conference, not exactly a good conference of quarterbacks. So uh, I, I think, you know, almost every single other team besides Michigan and maybe Penn State. I, I'm a little more generous. I, I would say easily over half, but then, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I even look at a guy like Tanner Morgan at Minnesota. He's really experienced. Aiden O'Connell at Purdue can put up big stats, but all you know, could Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown do the same thing? I don't know. Probably, but it's well over half. I, I would have to really break down the teams, and it was probably unfair of me to put you on the spot, but it just it, it keeps coming up as a theme that Ohio State is going to go against a team with, you know, maybe they've got a stout defense or a nice run game, but it all comes down to quarterback play. And, you know, that is the big, uh, I'll say Achilles heel again to really most of the conference. And, and Ohio State just has to continue to think they're lucky stars and really pat themselves on the back, too, for the recruiting and development that they've done. So I just thought that was an interesting sort of exercise to maybe look at those other guys in a different situation. Yeah, and I, and I do think it does play against Ohio State in a way for the Big Ten to be so down quarterback-wise because then when they do go into the playoffs and you play a guy like, you know, if Ohio State goes to the playoffs this year, you play a guy like a Bryce Young, he's going to be very, very different than a lot of the quarterbacks you saw all year. So as a defense, you kind of have to change your expectations a bit with what you're going to see. There aren't those elite, you know, top-of-the-end NFL prospect quarterbacks in the Big Ten Conference outside of Columbus. So really the best quarterbacks Ohio State's defense is going to play against all year is in practice. Um so I think that does, you know, kind of play them a disservice. It helps them in terms of, you know, winning football games in the conference. But I think overall, it doesn't it doesn't help you in the long run when you have, you know, dreams of national championship aspirations. But nonetheless, you know, moving on to one of those quarterbacks that we just mentioned and a guy that I'm not particularly high on as we go to to Happy Valley in Penn State. Um, they're next up on the schedule on October 29th. Um, what looks like to be good news for Ohio State is this game has been likely selected by Fox, which means more than likely it will be the big noon game. So either Penn State will elect to have their whiteout during the day or not use it for Ohio State this season. So, you know, Ohio State's fared well in the whiteout, but that's obviously it's a, it's a really good crowd atmosphere for them. And so getting to avoid that in any way would be a, a plus. Um, you know, other than that, Ohio State has beaten Penn State five straight times, but it does never seem to be easy. And like I mentioned before, Sean Clifford's back for a sixth season. Not exactly sure if that's good for Penn State or not. I don't know if they'd be better off starting a guy like Drew Aller at quarterback. But Clifford did throw for 3,100 yards with 21 tutties and eight interceptions last year. So not a terrible season, but it does seem like they could do better at the quarterback position. Maybe, you know, I don't know how much they're, you know, there's a quarterback battle going on. I think Clifford is pretty much set in stone there as your starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more Drew Aller here and there, maybe like Michigan did with with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, where they give him some, you know, not just garbage time snaps, but some real snaps against some of their opponents if they're up a little bit. So I am interested in that quarterback dynamic. But uh, yeah, Penn State's always a, always a tough game for Ohio State. I'm sure it'll be the same this year. It seems like regardless of what the two rosters look like, James Franklin just knows how to get under Ohio State's skin in different ways. So I'm, I, you know, this is always an exciting game to look out for, and it seems to always be around that uh, that Halloween weekend. So it should be it should be a fun time. I am, I'm not sure what to expect from Penn State this year. I I don't have the highest expectations for them. I'm surprised that Franklin and the university re-upped so quickly. You and I actually talked about that months ago on a pod when he signed, when he signed his new contract. I think it's really just kicking the can down the road, and I don't think they're going to be great. But for that reason, I think that they should throw Drew Aller into the fire immediately. You know, if it were up to me, what is Sean Clifford going to get you? What is he going to do for your football team? They struggled to go seven, seven and six last year. Um, you know what his upside is. He's an experienced guy. He could probably handle a backup role well or a split duty role well. But again, I think it's just kicking the can down the road. Unless they think that they are going to compete for a national title or a Big Ten title this year, I don't see why you don't give Drew Aller a shot. He is one of, if not the highest ranked uh, quarterback recruit that Penn State has ever brought in. He is supposed to be this all world guy and everything I've seen from him. uh, He's got a really high ceiling. So on the offensive side of the ball, I I think they could surprise some people if they go in that direction. But at the same time, you know, they lost Jahan Dotson. The running game was nothing to write home about. So I just I, I see them being very similar to what they were last year, but on the defensive side of the ball, they were solid and then went and lost their best pass rusher, most of their linebacker production, and a really versatile safety in Jaquan Brisker. Now, I think that Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. are 
a fantastic cornerback duo. And I could potentially see those guys at least somewhat slowing down the OSU passing attack. But I don't think they have enough up front. And Ohio State is just too versatile. They can do too many different things to where I don't think that a depleted Penn State defense can slow these guys down enough. And on offense, like I said, I they don't impress me. Sean Clifford's a gamer. He has won some games, some big games at Penn State, but not nearly enough for me. And so I would just go with Aller. I don't know how you feel about that, but at this point, what do they have to lose? What does James Franklin have to lose? It seems like he's got a lifetime contract if he wants it, despite some of the ups and downs. So I think that could be an interesting little wrinkle if they wanted to go in that direction. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, like Clifford isn't getting any better in year six. You know, he's not going to play five years being Sean Clifford and then all of a sudden be the, this incredible quarterback. I think, you know, he's he's OK, but I think at this point he, he just is what he is. I think, you know, I think that this Penn State ch- team has a chance to be better than they have been the last couple of years. I do think a lot of that is going to come down to uh, the play of their offensive line. It felt like, you know, at, at times in the last couple of years, Clifford spent most of his time running around the backfield or on his back on the ground, uh, which which definitely doesn't help a quarterback that already is, is struggling a bit. So I, I think if their offensive line can sort of get it together, they'll be a lot better on offense. Plus, I don't think their their running game can't be worse than it was last year. Um, Kavon Lee comes back. They did lose Noah Kane, and they are bringing in freshman Nicholas Singleton, who is a, a highly regarded running back, a guy that Ohio State recruited as well. Um, so their offense has a chance to be better um, if the offensive line is not just a bunch of turnstiles. And then on defense, like you said, you know, Jair Brown and Joey Porter are both very, very good in that secondary. I think those are two of the the better players Ohio State will see in the secondary this season, at least in the regular season, uh, especially in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know about the, the Manny Diaz hire as a coordinator is an interesting one for me. Um, they still have Mike Yurcich at OC, you know, former Ohio State guy. Um, so a lot of intrigue there. I think oh, Penn State is, is really going to be, you know, it's, it's all going to come down to them in the trenches. If they can, they could block a little bit for Clifford. I think their offense could be a lot better, especially if they have any sort of run game to speak of. And then on defense, they do have playmakers. So if they could just put a little together, I think that. You know, once again, they're they're going to be a team that's going to play tough with Ohio State. Like you said, if they could get a couple stops, get some points on the board, they can make it tough for Ohio State, especially in their home turf. And you know, they always seem to to find a way. And I do think they have the pieces to do it. But yeah, like you, I I do think that Ohio State still just has too much firepower. But we we've pretty much said that going into every Penn State game, and then it ends up being a being a just absolute you know barn burner of a game. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think that when I look at the totality of the situation. In my opinion, Penn State has a bunch of eight and four, nine and three coaches, and that's top to bottom. Um, I, I don't think that Yursich got the best out of Penn State's offense last year. I think he had more at his disposal than you know, kind of what they were able to show. Manny Diaz, hit and miss track record. I know he's experienced some success as a defensive coordinator in the past, but those years are in the past. And James Franklin just. He doesn't get it done on a consistent enough basis for me. I think that Penn State, they might always be scrappy, but they are not a top, I I don't know, whatever team in the Big Ten for me. I just, I've seen it too many times. I've seen the same story play out year in, uh, you know, again and again. They're going to have their years, but I think they're going to need a like Drew Aller, Jahan Dotson combination rather than a Sean Clifford to, gosh, I'm trying to think of the names right now, um, Washington or Lambert Smith combination. I just, I, I don't think that their battery can get it done. I think that they need a couple of elite talents at the same time on offense, and they haven't been able to figure that out. Yeah, and, and, you know, this game is sort of in the, the latter half of the season, so I think we'll know a bit more of what kind of Penn State we're getting this year. We'll, we'll probably have the quarterback situation more figured out at that time. So heading into that game, I think we'll have a much better idea of what kind of Penn State we're looking at here. Uh, moving forward, Ohio State schedule, not a ton more um, – super pressing games on the schedule, except for the last one. I did want to mention, you know, at Northwestern the week after Penn State, I think that might, you know, that might have a chance to be a trap game for Ohio State. You know, if it's one of those 11 a.m. starts. No, not thinking it. Even if it's like those 11 a.m. sleepy start in Evanston. They were three and nine last year, man. Look, I like I like Pat Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald as a coach. I really do. But, you know, three and nine last year, they don't have a ton coming back. They lost Brandon Joseph. I just don't see a trap game, but I've said that before too. I could very well be wrong in this instance. 
Yeah, it's not really mo- about Northwestern. It's more about, you know, Ohio State coming off Penn State, maybe a potential letdown off, of, you know, a potentially a tough win as it usually is. Um, if it is, it's in Evanston, so maybe it's one of those early starts. Uh, the, you know, the Wildcats weren't very good last year. They did play them tough in the 2020 Big Ten title game, but like you said, they were really, really bad last year, so not exactly a ton going on there. I think their best player is, a, is an offensive lineman, uh, Peter Skaronsky, so... Uh, yeah, not not exactly a super exciting team, but one that you know maybe to look out for as a, as a potential overlooked game by Ohio State. Uh, I don't think we really have to dive too much into Indiana or Maryland. You know, we'll do it when the time comes. But you know, they get the Hoosiers at home. They get Maryland on the road. I don't think there's you know, and I don't think do you have anything to talk about them too, Josh? I don't think they're they're really warranting a, a May conversation just yet. No, not really. I mean, I'd like to see Indiana better just for the overall health and well-being of the Big Ten. I like Tom Allen as a coach, but, uh, you know, they're pretty dreadful last year, and I don't see them making a big jump. And as far as at Maryland goes, I, I think their offense could do some things with Loxley and uh, and, and Tua Jr. I'm not going to butcher his name this time around, but I, I see those as a couple easy victories if you had to pin me down and ask me right now. Yeah, Taulia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of Tua, still there. Interesting quarterback. Better you, you know, than he's, I. <laughs> he's he's solid. You know, he had his his ups and downs last year, but not once again nothing that I think is, is striking fear to uh, into Ohio State's hearts just yet. But then you know we come to the end of the schedule here with the big one, the the Michigan rematch in the shoe on November twenty sixth. It has already been announced as a noon game on Fox, as it always is. Uh, we all know very well at this point that Ohio State is coming off that very you know lackluster defeat forty. Two to twenty-seven in Ann Arbor in twenty twenty-one. You know, surprisingly enough, it will be the first time that you know Michigan is playing in Columbus since twenty eighteen. Ohio State hasn't lost the game at home since two thousand. Um, and just looking into Michigan's schedule heading into this one, I, I think there's a very good chance that we see both of these teams heading into this game undefeated, whether Michigan is very good this year or not. I mean, just looking at their opponents, their non-conferences against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, they get both oh Penn, they get both Penn State and Michigan State at home, and their only other road games besides Ohio State are Indiana, Rutgers, and Iowa. So unless they fall into that Kinnick trap, it could be a pretty easy season for Michigan, and we could be looking at two 11-0 and teams heading into what what is a, a massive matchup for for Ryan Day and Ohio State as they look to, to get back to the college football playoff. I think it's definitely possible. And the thing with Michigan, I think their offense could actually be kind of nice, um, but they're only going to go as far as the quarterback takes them. They've got multiple run, talented running backs. They're getting Ronnie Bell back. They've got experience up front. So they did lose their offensive coordinator. So that could add some intrigue, but they've got a lot of skill, um, a lot of good players and Regardless of who they go with at quarterback, I, in my personal opinion, I think they will see something similar to last year where there's some rotation and both guys play, but um, they're going to be able to do some things. They're going to be able to move the ball. Where I see Michigan taking a, a, a rather big step back is on the defensive side of the ball. I know they've got talent and they brought in uh, a defensive coordinator who Jim Harbaugh has some indirect experience with I guess he's from uh you know his brother's tree but you know their defense got absolutely decimated by graduation and or draft entries three syllables you know they lost Josh Ross Dax Hill Aiden Hutchinson Brad Hawkins Vincent Gray and David Ojabo I think I got all of them I may have missed a name or two um I just I, I don't I don't know if Michigan can replicate their defensive success from last year. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb when they had two first round draft picks and they probably should have had a third or I'm sorry. Did Ojabo go in the first round? I'm pretty sure he did. I think Ravens may have traded it up for him now that I think about it. So three guys that went in the first round, uh, you know, Josh Ross was their leading tackler, a couple of guys in the middle and in the secondary. Like I said, they've still got talent. And, you know, for all the flack and and whatever you want to give Jim Harbaugh, he's continued to go after and recruit, you know, at a pretty high level and target his guys. He is a it, it pains me to say this. He is a good football coach, but I don't think that Michigan is going to be the CFP team that we saw last year, specifically because of the losses on the defensive side of the ball. So. It's likely to be interesting. Michigan could have a hell of a team, and maybe I'm underestimating them, but I I, I like Ryan Day and Ohio State's chances of kind of 
exacting some revenge after last year's game. Yeah, just looking up David Ajabo here, he did go at number 45 overall, so he was an early second-round pick. But nonetheless, okay, a, yeah. a big talent for them up front. I think, you know, Hutchinson and Ojabo, they're two best defensive players, both gone. Uh, I think that the losses of, you know, both Gaddis on offense and then Mike McDonald on defense are, are kind of flying under the radar a little bit. I think those both of those co- coaches were very instrumental to Michigan's successful season in 2021. Um, like you said, I don't think the quarterback really matters. I think either way it'll be more or less the same. Cade McNamara was solid last year. J.J. McCarthy, a former five-star recruit, I think he has you know, probably the better physical attributes, probably a higher upside. But like you said, I don't think I'd be super surprised to see them do a lot of what they did last year because it worked out for them. Um, but yeah, just a ton of losses both on the coaching staff and on the roster. Um, they do have some you know, potential rising stars on offense. Running back Donovan Edwards uh, is likely going to split carries with Blake Corum, even though I do think Donovan Edwards is the, the better player. We saw wide receiver Andrell Anthony had sort of a, a breakout last year, but they do get Ronnie Bell back from a season-ending injury. Um, three starters in the secondary are gone, but they do add a five-star defensive back in Will Johnson, who was also recruited by Ohio State. And, you know, I, I just think that in, ter- in this game, I, I think it's going to come down to Ohio State just having to be more physical than they were last year. They got pushed around in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and while while Michigan has lost a lot of that defensive firepower, especially up front, uh, I don't think it matters how good Ohio State's offense is if you're just getting bullied at the line of scrimmage on defense. So, we know what Michigan's going to come into this game doing. We know what they're going to look like. I think they will. They're probably not going to be as good as last year. We don't really know what we're going to see from Ohio State on the defensive side of the ball this year. So I think there's a lot of intrigue going into this game, and I think it's only going to build as we see the season get underway, especially with, you know, like I lined out, you know, Michigan's got a pretty easy schedule. Ohio State's got, you know, a lot of winnable games on their schedule. So if we go into this game with both teams undefeated, this is going to be a very, very highly, you know, marquee matchup. The thing that I just refuse to underestimate in this game in particular is the Ryan day factor. You know, um, Ohio state has not lost at home to the Wolverines since 2000. They haven't even played in a couple of years and there was the end of the streak last year. So frankly, I think Ryan day is going to be pissed off and I think he's going to get his guys fired up. He's going to get his coaches fired up and, you know, Ohio State could go into this game 0-11. They're not going to, but they could go into this game 0-11 and it's going to be the Super Bowl. It's always going to be that way. And there's just that extra added layer of what happened last year and in the previous season. So, you know, I, I'm not going to give a prediction this early. Like you said, it's May, but man, I... I I know in my heart of hearts that Ohio State is going to come out fired up for this game, regardless of how the rest of the season plays out. So I'm very much looking forward to that months in advance. I'm going to be, you know, I'll have my own little countdown, uh, you know, around the house or something like that. I am very much looking forward to that game. I, I mean, you put me on the spot earlier. I'm going to put you on the spot now with, with a pretty tough question here. Okay. We know Ohio State is coming off a loss to Michigan last year. They come into this game at home. If Ohio State loses this game to Michigan, the first time they lose in the shoe since 2000, back-to-back losses to Michigan, likely miss the college football playoff again because they wouldn't play in the Big Ten title at that point. Is Ryan Day on the hot seat? No, absolutely not. Um, I, I think that you'll hear from probably a vocal minority, but they've just been too good. They've had too much success. Uh, he has seemingly nailed these coaching hires and, you know, it, it's certainly not going to help his case in the minds of, uh, of a lot of fans, but the way that they have continued to recruit and the quarterbacks that they brought in and really all the guys across the board, would it suck? Yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. But I just, I don't see it happening. He, Ryan Day would not be put in that that John Cooper category, you know, a guy who struggled against Ohio, uh, against Michigan from time to time. I just, I, I don't see it happening. I don't want to see it happening, happening, but I don't, I don't see, you know, the reason and kind of the impetus and the urgency to call for his job a- after two straight losses. It would be super unfortunate, but my answer is no. Yeah, I think it's gonna. It would be a really tough conversation. Obviously, a conversation that we hope we won't have to have. 
But, you know, the recruiting is obviously one thing. Ryan Day has done excellent in that regard, especially at the quarterback position with the way that, you know, this offense is put together. But I, I think that, you know, you look at this Ohio State roster, you look at the last two years' roster compared to, you know, the talent composite of what they have in Michigan. And if you, you know, you lose this game back-to-back, the, you know, the only really the only difference on the field is going to be the coaching at that point. So I think there will be well, some me, legitimate questions. Let me call- let me call another audible then. We can, we could go back and forth. I know we're going to wrap it up sooner than later, but like, if that were to come to fruition, who are you going to go and get? That's what that's the question that I always ask myself. You know, Jim Trestle was an under the radar hire. Urban Meyer was a huge swing. Ryan Day uh, was not a, a previous head coach. He did not have that experience. But he was familiar with the program. He did some amazing things with Dwayne Haskins. I don't see another guy on the staff right now. There is no other guy on the staff right now have, with a proven. I have a very easy answer for you. It's very obvious okay. and it's incredibly simple. Luke Fickle. Okay. Luke Fickle okay. just took a group of five team to the college football playoff. He's, you know, he seems to be whether Ryan Day leaves because of firing, NFL, you know, hiring, whatever it may be, retirement. It seems like Luke Fickle is the heir apparent to the Ohio State coaching job, and I think that should Ohio State come down with a decision like that in in a stunning fashion at the end of this season, I, I think that you know it's a hundred and ten percent chance this is Luke Fickle's job if he wants it. Okay, and that was a miss on my part. I think that that is. You know, whether it's one to 100, I guess I would put a percentage probability on that. I would lean more towards one. But yeah, I mean, that is the only guy that I would even really want to consider. I think that that's about the only guy that Ohio State would likely consider because you look at any other potential options out there. You know, Nick Saban's not going anywhere. Dabo Swinney, hell no. I wouldn't want him if he came here for free. Um Kirby Smart, no. Lincoln Riley, no. You know, so there are just, there's nobody out there with the exception of Luke Fickle that I would even have like remote interest in outside of Luke Fickle. And that's a tricky kind of situation because part of me would love for Fickle to come back and coach Ohio State and get a second opportunity, especially now that he has accomplished so much at Cincinnati but I'm a Ryan day guy. Like I I don't want to see him go anywhere unless he chooses to pursue that NFL opportunity in one, five, 10 years, whatever it is. But like I said, I'm a Ryan day guy. And as much as I love Luke fickle, I, I I wouldn't want to see him at Ohio state anytime soon, unless this season just kind of, you know, went off the rails. And even then though, I I think you got to give Ryan day as many cracks, you know, as many at bats as he's kind of due and you know should be given because in a short period of time he has hit the ground running and done some great things the the one thing he has missed out on is a national championship and you know last time i checked those aren't too easy to come by yeah and this is all probably you know a conversation for another day i do think in terms of like you know nfl opportunities i do think that ryan day would probably not uh, you know, take that kind of opportunity until he was would win a title at Ohio State, if not multiple titles. You know, obviously he's always going to be connected to the New England Patriots job whenever Bill Belichick retires because of his, you know, his roots in New England. But, you know, nonetheless, I don't think he's, you know, leaving on his own accord before he, he gets the job done in Columbus. I think he likes it here, his family likes I it like here. That. And yeah, yeah I, I think that he's pretty set in stone here. I don't think that, you know, that's that's gonna be the way this season comes to an end. You know, in all, you know, if everything goes to plan, Ohio State goes undefeated, goes to the to the college world playoff and we see what happens from there. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I think the Michigan game is going to be big for him, though. I think that it's, you know, it'll be a pretty big stain on his record, whatever happens or not, if you lose to Michigan two years in a row, especially with this one being at home, with the kind of team Ohio State has on paper. You went out and you made these big coaching hires to fix the problems that ailed you in Michigan. So I I think for Ryan Day, this is kind of a, you know, a a defining moment for him as a coach. This is going to be, you know, if, if everything else goes well in this season, Ohio State comes into this game undefeated. This is his, you know, this is his national championship before the national championship. I think Ryan Day has to win this game. It could be considered that, but I go back to what I said previously. I, I think that he is going to be so extremely motivated for this game, regardless of how the season shakes out. You know, he he's a guy who sort of works with a chip on his shoulder. He's a prideful guy and he's a hell of a football coach. So I have the utmost confidence in him that um, 
they will get a good result come come November. Yeah, I have high hopes for this team. I have high hopes for this coaching staff. That kind of you know rounds out the schedule here. Is there anything that uh you know we missed, Josh? Anything that we we didn't talk about here that you had kind of zoned in on as we did some of our prep for this episode? Not off the top of my head. I, I will say that we've probably missed many things, though. You know, it, it's May. We're looking for for an idea or something to do, and I, I really liked this exercise. But I know we're going to reevaluated as we get closer to the season and then we'll have our preview pod so there's just there is so much left to be determined that you know we could still see transfers we could see all sorts of different things but um i i really liked running through this because it, it again it's the the first time that i really got into that mindset and into that mode where i was looking at the schedule and looking at some of the players and this that and the other so this was fun but i do not have anything profound to add my friend yeah it's, it's a long way between here and the season but it was good to kind of talk some football get in the spirit get some debate going too that's always good get the get the juices flowing in the middle of season you know not other ton of other stuff going on but like you said we're going to do a ton more of previewing both you know individual teams individual games as we get closer and closer to the season surely nothing will change between now and, and you know September with Ohio State and their opponents nothing ever changes in college football nothing nothing crazy no crazy transfers or anything like that so surely everything we discussed today will be exactly the same come the time all of these games are happening but nonetheless I we're probably going to have a, uh, a one week hiatus here next week um, I don't think there'll be an episode but then when we come back we have some other plans of different uh, topics and different segments we want to do uh, in the next couple of weeks to kind of keep the keep the airwaves flowing while there isn't a ton of Ohio State action going on. But nonetheless, be sure to continue to follow all of our written content over at LandGrantHolyLand.com. Be sure to like, rate, review, yeah, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks. <laughs>